0: Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives, from startup founders to international fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story when I'm not working in commercial real estate. I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV business show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DMV Business Show. My name is Odo Sevilla, and today I have a special guest, Luke Silverman, co-founder of Bark Social. Uh, Luke, for those who may not know of Bark Social, if you can give us uh, just a, a brief explanation as far as what the business is, please.
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, thanks for having me. Really appreciate to be here. Um, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you, and also the local business community and, and just general community as well. Um, Bark Social is essentially an experiential retail for dog enthusiasts. Um, We are essentially a large open-air dog park that has a coffee bar and traditional kind of beer garden, wine garden aspect to it. Um, Some unique features about it for us is that we have three zones. We have a zone that's completely uh, controlled, uh, temperature controlled, uh, so four walls, a roof, heating, and air conditioning. We have a 2,500-square-foot covered patio, which is open-air, uh, but it'll have fans and heat lamps for you know really hot and cold days, uh, and I think that plays very well in a post-COVID era, just because it's it's open. And, you know, uh, it's not going to be continuous air circulation, and then we have a 25,000 square foot uh, open-air dog park, which is uh, you know traditional dog park, but uh, just very very high-end, great uh, surface materials to reduce viruses, odor, uh, increase drainage. Uh, as well as it's gonna be kept uh, meticulously maintained. Um, Comfortable seating all around. Um, And then we also have the the food and beverage component. Uh, We'll be serving Ceremony Coffee, which is a great brand out of Annapolis, Maryland, and have been a great partner. Uh, And then currently talking to a number of local breweries to have hyper-localized breweries uh, and beer offerings, as well as wine. Um, And then we'll have a very small curated uh, retail selection of um, great brands that we, that we we know and love um, personally, um, but they're gonna be very high quality. Um, most of our products are made in America. And if they're not made in the US, they're printed in the US. Um, and it's just gonna be catered to this local market and really speak to our customers. In addition to that, um, you know, kind of name brand, uh, smaller, privately held small businesses. Um, in the retail space, we have our own line of dog treats as well as dog shampoo. Um, the really interesting part about our dog treats is that everything is made in our factory in Baltimore. Everything is human grade. Everything is sourced from within 200 miles of our, ra- of our factory. And most importantly, it's limited ingredients. So it's either one or three ingredients and that's it. So you can actually read the ingredients and you know what's going into your, uh, into your dog's body. Two of the two of the actual uh, treats a, a human could eat if they wanted to. So, um, you we're, tried we're it about yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually I actually tried the sweet potato treat just to say that I did. Um, it was it was fine, and guess okay. dogs love it. So um, yeah, it's a it's it's really a dog park and bar that uh, has a great retail experience. We'll have Wi-Fi and TV, and it's just a great place to hang out with your best two-legged and four-legged dog friends.
0: That's awesome. I, I didn't even know about the whole dog treat and having your old dog food, which is which is great. And it's here locally in Baltimore. Oh, by the way, so the, the manufacturing is in Baltimore. So this is going to be your first location, right? Yes. And, and just for the audience, if they don't know, where would it be located? Where is it going to be at?
1: So our first location address is 935 Pro Street. It's actually in the Pike and Rose Development, right behind Rose Park. Um, we uh, We share a wall with the uh, parking deck that also has the Porsche dealership in it. Um, and if you don't know where Rose Park is, uh, it's the area formerly known as the beach right by Julian pinstripes.
0: That's awesome. I, I can't wait to go there with our, with our little four-legged friend.
1: Yeah. Excited to see you and, <laughs> and your friend. My That's only it. thing,
0: my only thing with our dog, we adopted her about two years ago and uh, she's not very fond of little dogs. She's a, she's a mixed with a, uh, Amstaff, which is a type of pit and uh, German Shepherd and Boxer, so she's a pretty good size. She's over she's around sixty-five pounds. Um, but I don't know, maybe previous with a former family she was with, um, little dogs that have a yeah. She she doesn't she's not a big fan of.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's important to know. It's really important to uh, to to kind of to 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 bring that up. I think that there's a couple things about Bark Social which are very unique. We have a small dog area.
0: Um, Oh really?
1: Yeah. So if um, she's a small dog and she doesn't like small dogs, she can go out into uh, uh, into the bigger yard, which which will have you know dogs of all sizes. Um, So there is going to be a little bit of um, separation between you know small and large dogs. Large dogs are not allowed in the small dog area. Small dogs are allowed in the general kind of area, the bigger yard. Um, But you know, if you know your dog, for example, doesn't like small dogs, then don't don't put it in the small dog area right um additionally bark social uh is a safe clean and monitored dog park so what does that actually mean every dog has to be spayed or neutered uh every dog has to be vaccinated and up to date on their current vaccinations and then we have what's called bark rangers um, who are are trained by our uh, veterinarian who's also an investor in bark social uh our bark rangers will be trained by a vet as well as an animal behaviorist um, to identify any type of aggressive dogs, packing up, stuff like that. And here's the best thing about it. The best thing is I personally hate picking up my dog waste. And at Bark Social, part of the, part of the, uh, the membership and entrance, uh, you never have to do that. Our Bark Rangers are there to make sure that it's clean and monitored and safe. And part of that is actually picking up the dog waste um, and ensuring that the dogs all play nicely and, and are in a safe environment. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's an added benefit. Some people have actually said, Hey, I'd spend a thousand dollars just to go somewhere and not have to do that. (laughs) I personally think that's a little crazy, but, um, you know, it just kind of proves a point.
0: (laughs) Luke. So can anyone just off the street come there or is it membership or would you have several options and plans? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So we have several options and plans. So, um, what is the best value right now is our founding membership. Our founding membership uh, right now is is two sixty five. However, um, and that's for a full year unlimited access. You could come from the second we open to the time that we leave. Um,
0: so two hundred and sixty five dollars annually for the entire year.
1: Yeah, okay. and you also, in addition to that, you get a couple things. Um, you get prioritized and um, you get prioritized and unlimited access. And I say prioritized because in the event there's another spike within uh, with COVID. Um, All of these similar concepts have been able to stay open throughout the height of COVID. Um, And that's because we're a pet retailer and a central business. Um, Now, we would not employ daily daily passes um, for that because it would just be too much work. We would make sure that we would schedule and have reservations for our annual members to ensure that everybody could get their time in the park in a specific day or week. Um, however, it's really important the founding and monthly members would be able to take advantage of the, uh, the, uh, the you know, if we go back to phase one or something like that. Sure. Uh, number two, an annual member also gets 10% off our entire retail store. So uh, that's leashes, that's treats, that's toys, and that's for, you know, the entire year. Uh, additionally, um, we, do, we are identifying local partners where there will be additional discounts. Um, so for example, there is a a discount at a local dog groomer and doggy daycare. If you're an annual member of bark social, you'll, you'll get that there as well. Um, and then finally, um, the, 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 the really kind of great thing for me is that, uh, because I have a dog that I take to Petco or PetSmart to do self-serve dog wash. I think it's somewhere between 20, around $20 in the market that I was in before, um, and at Bark Social, we'll have self-serve dog washes. Annual members will have a discounted rate of only $10 for a dog wash, and regular price would be 15. So there are a lot of benefits to it. Um, we also have monthly memberships, which are 40, and then daily passes, which are 10. Um, the best thing to note, though, is that um, those, even if you're coming for a day or a month, you're still gonna have to register your dog, uh, again, because we wanna make it very clean, we wanna make it very safe, and a lot of that comes down to making sure that dogs are, are spayed or neutered, as well as properly vaccinated. And so for that, um, there is a charge. Humans are free, so anyone can come. Any human can come. There's no. The, it,
0: but the booze is not free, though.
1: No, the booze is not free. It's not. It's not all you can drink. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't. I, I gotta make. Money I'm joking.
0: It, right? yeah. That's where the margin um, is too.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I think I think there's also. Uh, I'm not sure if Montgomery County would be okay with that either. Um, yeah, um, and and here, it's just it's just a great kind of hangout. Think about being at your best friend's house, your dog's running around for a barbecue. We have that, but we just have a great experience uh with Wi-Fi, televisions. Um, you know, as you mentioned, my background is is somewhat diverse, but um, you know, I, I understand the significance of reality TV in modern America. Um, and uh we'll have bachelor and bachelorette watch parties when you know. When, when that's on. We'll have Monday night football and Sunday night football for, um, you know, Washington and Baltimore games, um, you know, so we're going to make it very, very active. Some of our annual members will also have really great opportunities for like, dog training classes and, and kind of uh, special events that we have. We're going to have a puppy parade in October, probably right when we open up. Um, we'll have, you know, pictures with Santa and the Easter bunny and stuff like that. Uh, as well, So it's just a really fun place to, to kind of hang out with your friends and, you know, just relax. It's a, it's a great community of dog enthusiasts, but you yeah. don't need a dog trainer.
0: That's good. That's good. I Can, can't wait for you guys to open. And I'm actually glad you mentioned your background. It's a good segue. And we will come back to Bark Social a little later in the episode. Um, you do have a very rich and diverse background. And before we go there, I'd like to start off to sort of like just the beginning. Where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, appreciate it. So, I was born in um, a, a town, a, a place called Ewing, pencil or Ewing, New Jersey. It's right outside of Trenton, New Jersey, as well as Princeton. Okay. Uh, my parents, uh, my mother's from that part of New Jersey. Uh, my dad's actually from Pikesville in, uh, oh, uh, in Baltimore. County. Yeah. So that's a part of the tie-in to to this part of the country. <laughs> um. At an early age, my family uh, moved to Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is uh, about an hour northwest of of Philadelphia. And I I went to high school and college there. I spent my summers actually in New York City. My father and my uncle started a a restaurant uh, back in the 80s. um, And my uncle is still in the restaurant business. Um, I've always been in love with the hospitality space. I always thought I would own my own, you know, group of restaurants, bars, clubs, whatever it was started working in New York city kind of out of the necessity because I, I remember specifically, I, I had a, I had a lawn mowing, um, you know, business with a friend of mine in my neighborhood and that was good. Um, but I wanted something more regular cause I could only get a couple lawn mowers, stuff like that. And I, I remember specifically, I wanted to buy, Um, like one of those BMX bikes when I was like 14 or something like that, I think. And the, the money for the, the lawn business just wasn't, it it wasn't enough to buy this ridiculously overpriced bike that I just thought I needed. Um, And so at that point in time, my dad and my mom said, well, your uncle owns a bunch of restaurants, go work for him. And so from the age of 14, I was working in restaurants in New York city, literally literally, you name it, busboy, boy, Luke, washer. you're
0: you're in Pennsylvania, right? So what you, you're you're commuting to New York City?
1: Yeah, so I would commute in on a bus. Um, you At know, fourteen. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So okay. my parents, my, my dad works in Manhattan still. My oh, okay. In the fashion industry. So I would go in with him, and then I would spend the spend the summers uh, with my with my with my uncle in his apartment, uh, and and I would basically be the gopher, You know, dishwashing. You know, busboy. Uh, and as I got older, I took on more responsibility. I was managing restaurants in high school. Um, you know, wow. I helped him buy a few restaurants. I helped him close a few restaurants. I did renovations. I would go to the Fulton Street fish market at the time to purchase fish at the fish market. Um, I went up to Hunts Point when it changed up there. You know, I'd be buying tens of thousands of dollars for 15 restaurants uh, seafood for 15 restaurants at any given time. And so I fell in love with the industry. Um, and you you were very involved
0: in the restaurant business then at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. And and I
1: thought, I thought, uh, you know, I was ultimately going to go to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America in Poughkeepsie, New York. I, I had an interview there. Um, the only reason why I didn't go there was, uh, for two reasons. I thought I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy Uh, or um, I thought I wanted, I basically thought I wanted to play lacrosse in college and the CIA didn't have that. Um, So I opted not to go to the CIA, but all through literally middle school, high school and college every summer, it wasn't an internship. It was working, you know, 20 hours a day for seven days a week for the entire summer, making as much cash as I could before I went back to school. Uh, And I love, I just love the hospitality industry. Uh, it's, It's always been in my blood and my grandfather's owned restaurants. Uh, I have two uncles who own restaurants. Um, My father owned a restaurant for a short time. And now, you know, with Bark Social, it's a a little bit of a hybrid, but still in the hospitality space.
0: I'm sure it was exciting, too. First of all, being in the restaurant business, which is a fast-paced environment, plus being in New York City at such a young age, you know, a teenager and everything's just fast and
1: yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I think I think the one thing that I love and I truly appreciate about New York is that you have the best of the best, right? I mean, you know, uh, what's the saying? If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? right. And and I, I truly believe that. I mean, there's a reason why um, you know banks are there, consultancies are there, major brands are there, and why you know New York City restaurateurs have this. Kind of um, stardom now. Uh, it wasn't like that when I was working with my uncle. Uh, I think the celebrity chef was just kind of coming of age when I, you know, was in high school and college. Um, but it was great. I think the one thing it taught me was how to negotiate, how to do business with people, uh, you know, how to be successful and how to basically not compromise and ultimately be, you know, top notch. Because if it's mediocre in New York City, especially in the restaurant space. Uh, It doesn't survive Um, and attention to detail, partnering with the right people and identifying what your target customer and clientele wants is really, really important. And if you don't do all of those plus some right in New York City in the hospitality industry, then you're going to fail and you're probably going to fail within the first few months. Um, So it really gave me a a really good sense of expectations and how I kind of go about my career, you know, starting from middle school all the way to to where I'm today.
0: Before New York City and the hospitality, you mentioned you had a landscaping business. Is this in middle school in Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I lived in a subdevelopment. I think it was built in the middle of a, a cornfield, you know, probably 30 years ago. I think it was probably a couple hundred houses. And uh, my neighborhood, my, my, my best friend in high school and, and middle school, we started mowing lawns and, and, you know, throwing mulch into people's yard and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked at an early age. My, my parents have always instilled a, a work ethic with us. And, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, I came from a, a middle-class family. Um, so I, I definitely have had some great opportunities that a lot of people don't have. But the one thing that my parents did do is they instilled a work ethic in me. And and what I say to my investors, what I say to my strategic partners with Bark Social, and what I've said all along is that no one will ever outwork me. I mean, I, 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 can, I literally signed that in blood because, um, you know, it's very difficult to outwork me. And, and when you put a little bit of, uh, when you surround yourself with great people and a great team and you have a strong work ethic, it's tough to beat. And that's kind of where my head's at, especially with Park Social.
0: That's what it's all about, the hard work mm-hmm. over time. Uh, I'm curious. So it looks like the entrepreneurial tendencies were there even at an early age. So growing up in Pennsylvania, were you? you mentioned lacrosse too? So were you into sports, lacrosse, or when did the entrepreneurial spark come in, or did you have other things before landscaping?
1: Uh, no, it was always odd jobs and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, I'd go into New York with my with my family, and you know, if I saw if I was in one of those restaurants, I'd probably be put to work real fast. Even before that, um, the entrepreneurial spark is really kind of. I think it's in my blood, honestly. I mean. My father my, and all of my uncles um, always have a, a small business or a side business, um, you know, um, and I've seen what hard work and, you know, kind of good business sense and and kind of being your, your own boss can get you. Um, and and so – So
0: this, you saw that at a very early age at home or with other family members?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, and then I, I think from also at an early age, there was that work ethic um, – you know, Pennsylvania is a, uh, especially Allentown. It's kind of like salt to the earth. People, you know, it's uh, middle class. Uh, you know, but everybody kind of has this really good work ethic. Um, you know, I played football in high, in middle school and high school. Uh, I stopped playing football my junior year of high school and focused on lacrosse. And then, you know, in, in college, I, I had a great time playing lacrosse. Um, and really kind of understanding what time management is because as a student athlete, you, you had to be able to, you know, perform on the field as well as, as well as in the classroom. I, I played D3. So, um, you know, and lacrosse too, is, it's, not, um, like a, a, a sport that has a lot of leeway. So, you know, if I had to miss class for a game, I got yelled at by my teachers and professors. Um, but it was a great way to kind of set me up to kind of self govern. Um, Post college and, and and you know helped me with my career. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? So um, I went to Muhlenberg College undergrad, but uh, I did my grad school at uh, University of Michigan. And like most University of Michigan alum, I am a huge supporter. I'm a I'm 100% all in uh, for any Michigan event, sports game. Uh, I'll network with anyone who's a, who's a, who's a Wolverine and uh, absolutely obsessed with the University of Michigan. So I apologize so to those of you who went to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> so, so
0: that's where you went and, and you could even see it on the shirt there, University of Michigan. Yeah. yeah
1: I wear it proudly.
0: <laughs> you got your MBA there, right, Luke?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so taking a step back, I guess, post uh, post-college, Okay. I graduated in 08. I started my own company um, and it was, uh, it was two weeks before the market crash in 08 in the fall. Okay. Um, so I launched the business. I was living in, it was a wine timeshare for high net worth individuals and kind of corporations over in Italy. So I'm living in Italy at the time. Market crashes. What so Tuscany um,
0: or what part Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah.
1: So I, um, I had a flat, one of my investors had a flat in uh, Prato. Um, And if you're familiar with Italy, it's, um, yeah, there's Florence, there's Prato and Calanzano, kind of the tri cities in that area. Um, My office was in uh, Calanzano. Um, My, my flat was in Prato. And then if I wanted to go out and, you know, see just uh, everything that Florence has to offer, it was just a quick train ride um, on the commuter rail. So I was there, market crashed, um, ultimately returned all the funds back to the two investors that because they were partners in the vineyard, came back to the U.S. and uh, tried to just make lemonade out of lemons. Worked in the restaurants for a bit and kind of realized that you know missions and values of uh, of that space was a little bit different uh, than than what I would want. And so um, in the restaurant
0: business or what was that? You said mission and values are a little different. You're referring to in the restaurant business or where? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just the
1: the, the person I was working with.
0: Okay. I understand. Um,
1: So I decided to leave and kind of try and find my own path. Uh, as you could imagine in the fall and winter of 2008, nobody was hiring and, uh, had student loans to pay off. And, uh, and my dad said, Hey, I have a distant cousin who works out in in TV in, in LA. Let me see if, uh, they'd be interested. So my dad called up a distant cousin of his and connected me to her daughter, who's my, my distant cousin. Um, and literally never met this person in my life said, Hey, I'm Luke. I just need to make some money. And she said to me, if you get out to LA in two weeks, you got a job, packed up the Toyota Corolla that I had. My dad gave me like 500 bucks in cash to get across the country. I lived on in my dad's one of my dad's best friend's spare bedroom for about two months and i worked two shifts on two different tv shows um one of them happened to be the bachelor um so i was working about 20 hours a day uh wow. sleeping in the car or the couch at my dad's friend's house um out in the valley saved enough money to get my own place and um had a really fun career in entertainment for about three and a half or four years Traveled the world, um, you know, traveled. I've been to 48 continental U.S. states. Um, I think at, the, at that point in time, it took me to 35 countries internationally. And I was a production coordinator, production manager for, you know, The Bachelor franchise as well as a brief stint on American Idol. Um, and I, I basically did production management coordination, which is really kind of the business behind TV shows. Okay. Um, so Risk assessment, budgeting, hiring, uh, you know, trade out agreements with brands and stuff like that. Um, scheduling. So it was, a, it was really cool. Um, really had a good time, met some great people, had some wild fun experiences that most people would probably just never believe. Um, but there's a great group of people in that space and, and taught me how to, um, really kind of focus in on the task. Number one. And number two, create some sort of consistency in a, in a world full of chaos, which, um, kind of lends itself well now in the in COVID era, so. Sure, yeah. so you,
0: you were there for about three and a half years, you said?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I did that um, until about 2012. And at that point in time, I thought, and I say I thought, uh, because I did at the time, I thought I wanted something more stable. I thought I wanted something that was a bit more lucrative um, and something that was maybe a bit more challenging intellectually. And so I transitioned at the time into the med tech space uh, my brother has always been in the med tech space. He's a, he's a sales rep um, for um, medical device companies. And at that time he had just been hired by a large um, medical device company as a sales rep. And he got me an interview with them uh, in New York city where I worked. Uh, and that was my first job in, in the med tech space as a sales rep for an orthopedic company. Um, so you moved from LA back to New, to New York city. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I actually moved into my apartment uh, in the East Village. I think like a week or two before Hurricane Sandy hit. So that was not that was not very easy. Um, but uh, you know, Hurricane Sandy hit, and I said to myself, "Why the heck did I ever leave LA? It's unreal." <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that as a sales rep for two years. Did really well, but you know, wanted to. I've always tried to challenge myself and I get very, very uh, bored and complacent when I'm not challenged. Um, and I think that comes back to that entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah. As an entrepreneur, You're always challenged. Um, and I think we kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of crazy in the sense that we always want to be challenged, right? We always wanted to make it hard in a sense. And then that, that, that struggle makes, makes the reward that much better. So kind of saying like, Hey, I'm not getting it, you know, what I wanted personally out of this kind of corporate sales job, I thought I would go back into kind of marketing and strategy. And over the course of, you know, eight years, I realized corporate America is never going to satisfy me. I mean, it's just not, um, it's not meant for certain people. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. Um, and, uh, over that period, I decided to get my MBA. So I was working full time um, at a company. at that time, it was in Austin, Texas. Um, I wasn't happy with with my career. I got my enrolled in an executive program, executive MBA program, where I'd fly back and forth from Los Angeles, uh, because Michigan has a a great program in LA, surprisingly, where they fly out all their professors out there. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. uh, Yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, it was fun. So you got all the great things about Michigan, but I was in, uh, in LA. Yeah. Going to school. Um, but, um, yeah, I was flying back and forth from Austin to, to, uh, to school every three, three weeks. And, um, it just, it just wasn't really making a cut. I was saying I'm not surrounded by people that challenge me. Um, you know, my personal experience within corporate America, um, has been one that was completely unfulfilling in the sense that, I always felt people did what was convenient for themselves and their own career and not what was best for the company or the team. Um, And frankly, the safe decision was always the decision that went through regardless whether it was the right decision. Um, And I would continually get frustrated. And as somebody who grew up in a very kind of loud and outgoing household, uh, it's very difficult for me to keep my opinions to myself. when I think that, there is something very wrong with the decision or the trajectory of a specific division or organization. Um, And I never got that culture that I was envious of. Um, And that's something that I'm really big on is culture. Um, And so it got to a point where I was just completely frustrated and I just walked in and quit one day. And that's kind of when Bark Social really kind of went into high gear. Were
0: you you still flying back and forth to LA for the MBA program or by then had you completed that?
1: Yeah, no, great question. So I I was in the middle of my MBA. Uh, I was working full time. Uh, I was living with my fiance who had just moved down from Portland to Austin to live with me. We had just got a dog and I came home from work and I said, I just quit on the spot. I walked in. uh, My boss wasn't even there. I was totally fine with that. I went to the VP of the company and I said, today's my last day. And he kind of was shocked. And I said, look, like you're not... I don't agree with anything going on here. I'm not getting anything out of it. The pay wasn't that great. And I just, I just walked out and it was extremely fulfilling. Uh, it was extremely frightening. And after that, I went on a nine month road trip to 20 to 20 different locations across the country, similar to, uh, what bark social is. And I did a ton of research and I said, so Luke, I'm sorry.
0: You had the idea, even while you were still working at that company in Austin and going to the MBA in LA,
1: yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a bad, it? I, okay. Yeah, there's a dog park bar in Austin that okay. I'm with the owner and um, yeah, just loved. so that's where you got the thought from. Totally, totally. Okay, yeah. okay. So, um, yeah, and uh, that was when the kind of I said, you know, I think I think we can do a, a good job, and um, you know, that's when I, I started talking to a few people and seeing what they thought, and you know just like any entrepreneur, it starts with a thought. And then you do some diligence and you start, you know, creating the business plan. And in order to do that, I had to go see a bunch of these for myself. And it was, a it was a road trip with my dog. Um, and it was, what about was your your,
0: were your fiance still together by that? Or she was like, no.
1: Yeah, no. So my fiance is amazing. Um, she's a special person because, uh, we were together, and okay. uh, that was a very difficult time. Um, yeah, but she slept with me, and okay. uh, yeah, so awesome. yeah, that it was you,
0: tough. You mentioned that the road trip was alone you and your dog. I was like, I wonder if the fiance was like, no, I'm, you know, after the yeah. bomb you dropped.
1: Totally. I mean, I think she'd be fine if I would have gone and did it myself. But the fact that I took the dog was not. It wasn't kosher for her, but uh, nevertheless, it it got me to where I am today. So. Okay. uh you know. but, but, by the way what type of dog do you have uh i have a 35 pound um forever puppy he's uh <laughs> he's a pit bull black lab mix oh um, wow okay uh, yeah and um, only
0: 35 pounds
1: yeah i think he was neutered like right when he was born he's never he's never matured <laughs> i mean like he's like literally a forever puppy so um yeah he's great i he's know. Yeah he's everything to to my fiance and I. So that's awesome.
0: So you do the road trip with you and
1: what's the name of your dog? Frankie. Frankie. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you and Frankie are on the road. You look at all these other uh, similar concepts to what bark social is now. Mm -hmm. And then you come back home to Austin or are you still flying to LA for the MBA program?
1: Yeah. Flying back and forth, you know, figuring out what to do, but you know, kind of doing this road trip between Austin and LA or Austin and, and uh wherever i'm going and you know working school into it i mean it was, it was cra- crazy um and, and i thought i was going to do that full time you know my partner and i so so before that um my partner jeff kurtzman he decided to you know kind of go all go all in on this as well and you know we're funding it with our own money we didn't even have a, a business incorporated yet um and and kind of about nine months in i realized that you know I really like where we're at, but I think we need to refine it a little bit. And at the time, uh, this company called me up that I used to work for initially, and they offered me a job with a decent salary and to moved me to Seattle. And I spoke to my fiance. I said, look, Park Social, which was a different uh, – con- it was named differently at the time. Sure. I said, I know this is going to work, but this company just offered me a job, and I I don't think I'm going to have to do that much, And and, you know, I think sure. it will – I think it'll be able to float the company. Um, sure enough, you know, my fiance and I—we were kind of—we love Austin, but it's really hot, so so we wanted to get back up to the Pacific Northwest, and so we moved up there and um, you know worked there for about ten months, working full time, going to school full time, as well as literally working on Bark Social full time. Um, I was averaging about two hours of sleep for about ten months. Wow. Um, Once that company figured out that, um, I was not working, uh, on the company full-time and my own thing, uh, you know, I got fired And, and I was shocked that, um, you know, it took them that long to figure out. Um, but yeah, they terminated me, uh, and, uh, and that was kind of perfect timing because we were, we were ready to start our fundraise at that point. And so, um, I was working remotely, um, in seattle with my partner who's in maryland and we were looking for a location on the east coast um we signed our lease for federal for pike and rose and uh i was supposed to move back about two months before but COVID happened and uh i just got back here about two months ago but yeah it's been it's been it's been a wild ride
0: (laughs) so are you still in seattle or
1: no i'm actually i'm actually in bethesda right i'm actually
0: in maryland now yeah okay okay so your partner jeff right Mm-hmm. he's a, he's based out of Maryland
1: yeah so he, okay. was, born, he was born in Howard County um, how's the story
0: there as far as you both connecting with the business
1: yeah so he's actually my cousin's husband so we've known each other for oh, okay. about years okay. um, and he's a serial entrepreneur Jeff is uh, it's great he and I are completely different I'm more the sales idea of marketing guy. He is what what we call the back of house. So he's all operations, finance, numbers, we balance each other very, very well. Um, you know, we know because we have the family connection that no matter what we say or do, um, you know, we always have each other's backs. And I think that's a unique uh, situation for founders is that, you know, we can argue and, and kind of be completely at odds with each other, but we know that we're going to we're all gonna come back to a solution that's ultimately best for the business. Um, But Jeff's got a pretty success, I mean, he's wildly successful within the startup space. Um, He's been very involved in the the startup space in both DC and Baltimore for probably 15 some odd years. He started a company called Better World Books, which was really the kind of the first social venture of its kind um, about 17 years ago with two friends. They totally funded it themselves they sold the company about a year and a half, two years ago, but, um, they were the number one book reseller on Amazon for probably the past five years. They did over 70 million in annual revenue. They've donated over two, no, over $20 million to literacy programs through their, through their work as well as 20 over 20 million books to literacy programs, um, in the 17 years of the company. And, and yeah, they created a, a, a monster, uh, company. And it was all started with an idea and three friends in a van driving around the college campuses, trying to figure out how to do it. And from that he's, he's consulted for about 20 some odd startups and was a CEO for a company that was on the verge of bankruptcy and turned that around over a two year period. And he's investment banking, you know, before that. And so he's got a really, really good grasp on finance and operations. And so he's, he's, he's the second half of bark social.
0: Wow. So it sounds like a great partnership there.
1: Yeah, it works. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he's in Maryland and is that what brought you back into Maryland as far as your first location being here?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we were looking for a national, we, we had a national search. Um, actually we were approached by uh, places in, in Canada and Mexico as well. Um, and we were open to kind of anywhere where the best opportunity was. Sure. We, um, we really quickly honed in on the DC market, um, mainly because uh, a couple things, Jeff knew the market well, Um, we love the market because it's super dense. Um, You know, there's, while there's a lot of dog owners, there's not a lot of dog friendly concepts like you would see in other country, uh, other parts of the country, predominantly the West Coast and the South. Um, And, you know, it was, it was kind of like this opportunity where we disclose this to the market um, with our broker, our in-market broker. So we have two brokers, our head of real estate and master brokers, Paul Bartlett out in Southern California. And our in-market broker um, is Sean Harcourt with H&R. Um, yeah, I know
0: Sean, I've done deals with him. Yeah, yeah, so Sean's Yeah. awesome.
1: I was actually just with him yesterday looking at another site Okay. Um, and, and he's just been great. Um, but he knows this market and he, he shopped us around and, you know, we got some amazing opportunities and, um, and federal was, was just, they were great. I mean, you know, for us to be our first location in Pike and Rose, you know, we're, we share a wall with a Porsche dealership, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, You know, Pike and Rose is probably one of the top 20 developments in the country. Federal owns by far the most. One of the best retail centers in in the country, called Santana Row, out in California, and um, you know Stu Stu uh, Beal and um, and the whole Federal team. It was just really great to work with, and it just timed up perfectly for Bark Social and for um, and for Federal. So um, that's kind of how we got to where we're at.
0: So the deal there with Federal, Luke, that that was executed. When about a,
1: a month ago or so, no, a couple of months ago.
0: Okay,
1: we had it under wraps, and then once we submitted the permits, that's when it kind of got leaked out to the public. Um, I want to say the deal was was the deal was being talked. As you know, real estate deals take a long time, right? Yes. Especially com- commercial real estate deals take a long time. Um, I think we were we've been talking to we were talking to federal probably at six months at that point. Okay. Um, and with COVID and everything happening, you know, things kind of, they, they were, they kind of cooled off a little bit. And then we were, we, we wanted to sign a lease cause we were raising money and we had to do something with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we signed probably three months ago, at okay. this point, like three or four months ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it, as you know, commercial, commercial deals take time.
0: Yeah. I, I sometimes I wish we were as quick as a residential world, but not at all.
1: My yeah opinion. yeah yeah there's a, the, the contracts are a bit longer
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah. I, I'm glad you brought raising money so you you and your partner did have to go out there to the market and raise funds for the venture correct
1: absolutely yeah I, how I was I,
0: that? if you can explain to the audience how was that uh, endeavor
1: well I mean it's you know people say hey you should go on Shark Tank and um, I mean I I lived Shark Tank for every day for about nine months and um, You know, you learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot about what you've done and how you're perceived and you learn a lot about other people. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is that it's not about me, it's about we. And um, I am fiercely um, focused on my team and I don't think that any entrepreneur can say, oh, I did this all by myself. There's always people along the way that help you. What I've done is with Bark Social with Jeff, is create a great team. Um, And as you create a great team, um, you are able to tell a story. You're be able. You're able to get great advice um, for free, essentially, from these great advisors and partners that you have. Um, and then, in turn, you're able to go out and raise money because that confidence. Where you're, the the people are looking at. You know, the the investors are looking at a couple of things, and every investor is different. Some investors only invest in one vertical. Some look specifically at the founders. Some look at at the diligence of the founders. Others look at the team. I mean, you never know what you're getting into. You try and prep for every meeting and pitch. Um, But what I said was, we're gonna be, we're gonna do best research that we can. We're gonna have a meticulous deck. We're gonna have the best financial model and pro forma we could ever put together. Most of it's gonna be based on fact. Um, and negotiations or, or, you know, whether that's with, um, commercial real estate companies, contractors, um, GCs, you know, suppliers for products, you know, numbers from other concepts. So we did that. And then I created the team and, or, or we created the team and that made it, it's always difficult to raise money, but that made it easier to raise money because I had a team of you know, some people in the tech space, some people in the pet space. Uh, I have, you know, people who are in the, uh, the real estate space who are, you know, equity partners and advisors for me. Um, and then people in, you know, in, in a bunch of different spaces so that we really created a great team that was curated and most importantly engaged um, and, and have a great lawyer as well. I mean, my, my, my lawyer, uh, George Nemphos of Nemphos and Towson, I mean, just a stand-up guy who would always protect us, but most importantly, teach us what we what we should, you know, give for and what we shouldn't give on. Um, and then our real estate attorney, Michael Mirsky, um, who's out of Philadelphia, who's who's an equity partner and the former VP of, uh, of of real estate for David's Bridal. When it comes to lease negotiations and stuff like that, you know, just a phenomenal person. So we would walk into conversations where. It's not Luke and Jeff. It's, it's the team. Bark social is truly a team. I am the, I'm the CEO and the co-founder with Jeff, who's the co-founder and CFO, but bark social is really a, a a team, a team startup and people are investing in the team and not just me. Um, And and the most, the thing that I'm most proud of is is the team that I've created um, because that's what makes us successful. That is what is going to make the first location in Bethesda a really great experience. And then all the future locations, just a really great experience business and uh, hopefully, you know, do what we want we expect to do from an investment standpoint as well.
0: Uh, I agree with you hundred percent, Luke, as far as surrounding yourself with the right team and the right people is huge, especially for a new or startup business. What would you suggest for any startup or any entrepreneur out there how you went about it. You gathered yourself, your own team and form of advisors. What can they do? What, what just similar to what you just did as far as your attorneys, your GCs, your real estate people and everyone else.
1: Yeah. I think it comes down to mission and values first. I mean, you really need to identify people who align with your, with your, with your mission and values. Um, you know, there was a lot of trust early on. I mean, you know, I, Paul Bartlett was the first person to come into the company really and put his reputation on the line. I mean, he took me to ICSC, which you're familiar with in Vegas, almost a year and a half to almost, yeah, almost two years ago now. And um, we had this like pitch deck and we, it it was, it was fine, but it's nothing like we have now. And Paul put his neck out on the line for us. Uh, And he, you know, we met with the executive vice presidents of major you know multi-billion dollar REITs that are trading and you know they're having conversations with celebrity chefs like why would they give me time right yeah. but Paul believed in us and he believed in the mission and, and we were aligned because we met in grad school um, so we had a lot of opportunity to talk um, but he he gave us an opportunity and anybody else who came into the team they had to identify with our mission and values so the team Um, I'm fiercely loyal to um, because they've been fiercely loyal to me and they've really put their reputations on the line. Um, Second, I think that you have to commit yourself. Um, You, uh, you know, I'm not proud of it, but you know, it's, it's taken a toll on my personal life. You know uh, I I mentioned I'm engaged, you know, we've traveled, we've moved all over the country and we're not talking like, you know, moving from Bethesda to Rockville. We're talking from Austin to Seattle, Seattle to DC. These are big life changes. Um, you know, my fiance was, was, uh, along for the ride and, um, it's difficult for her. It's difficult for me, but the sheer focus and passion that I have to, to create a great opportunity for my, my community, uh, my investors and myself, uh, is something that I, I, I don't lose light of. Um, with that being said, Um, You have to commit yourself. You have to create a great team. And then on top of it too, um, you you need to really do your work. Um, And I think our pitch deck is version 200 plus our financial pro forma officially is V 23, but it's probably V 200 plus. I pressure tested um, my hypothesis and you know, the business model hundreds and hundreds of times I have been, you know, told no way more than I've said yes. Um, And I've actually turned down the same amount of money that I've raised. Oh really? Because the investor, in my opinion, didn't have the, the mission and values that is best for the company and best for my investors and best for, for the founders as well. So I would say, create your, create the team, surround yourself with people that will coach you and help you out and have domain experience. Commit yourself and, and be prepared for the highs and the lows. And then most importantly, it's all about doing your diligence and making sure that, um, you know, you actually know what you're doing and you're confident. Taking somebody's money, um, for a, a small business or a startup is a, deeply personal um act to do um, and i don't take that lightly and so you have to understand that if you're taking somebody's money for hard-earned work um with the hope of returning you know a significant amount of re- value to them that's personal and um you, you can't bs your way through it um, and, and frankly it's i don't think it's moral or ethical to do it um, and and A savvy investor will know that and um, I take that personally and uh, because of that I I really make sure that everything's iron you know airtight and uh, ready to go so
0: that's good where where is bark social now I know we're still all dealing with the pandemic and everything and you said you closed a deal a couple months ago but it takes time with permitting and all that and all that other Mm -hmm. stuff Where, where are you in standstill waiting or where are we in general
1: yeah. So, so Montgomery County has just been absolutely amazing. Um, federal realty has been absolutely amazing. Um, we're moving. I mean, we're, we're moving ahead. We plan on opening in the fall. It's looking like an October launch now. Um, we, have, you, uh, have you started construction and build out yet, or? I think we start construction today, actually. So oh, really? Break, I think we break ground today.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, Congrats. Yeah. That's yeah. A big so step it's,
1: forward. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, so yeah, so it's a huge milestone. Um, we have a pop-up shop every Thursday to Sunday in Rose park right next to Julie, um, where we'll be selling memberships as well as some of our locally made dog products. Um, again, bark social is all about supporting small businesses donating to charitable causes focusing on local. And if it's not local, ideally it's domestic. Um, so that pop-up shop is up and running. I'm gonna be there. I'm actually, uh, right after this, I'm hopping on into an interview and hopefully hiring my first employee to, uh, to be a retail associate at our location this summer. So you could come in, learn a little bit about Bark Social. The response so far has been unbelievable and the community has just been absolutely phenomenal and great and I'm so excited to get this thing open. When does um, that pop-up open? Uh, so it's, it's currently running from Thursday to Sunday. Oh, it's already Uh, open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I believe the hours are 10 AM to 8 PM No, 1 PM to 8 PM, uh, Thursday, Friday and 10 to five Saturday and Sunday. Um, so that'll be every week until we open. Um, and right now we're, we're currently in negotiations for, uh, a couple more locations. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are. We're just executing right now, and um, just trying to make the best experience possible for, for, for the Bethesda community and, and our first location. That's good. The other locations are they
0: nearby here, the DC Metro area, or other states?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. I okay. can't really say, okay. but um, yeah, They're there. Uh, I, you know, we're we're uh, we anticipate having more than one location. Let's just put it that way.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. What would you say, Luke, what, what what what's the driving motivator behind you? Or what motivates you and, you know, drives you?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, my family, I have a dog, I have a fiance, you know, my I think my parents did a really good job of raising me and just kind of making them proud. Um, that's first and foremost. Uh, I think, you know, now that, that I've accepted investor money, what drives me is making sure that, um I provide return on that and, and execute on what the promises are. Um, and I also think the the one that's kind of a higher a higher level over, over everything else and kind of ties into family as well as message moral ethics and culture. Um, my goal is to create a great experience for um my customers and and to create a great business. Um, I, I think that you can do that morally and ethically. Uh, I believe that all of that ties back to culture and just creating an opportunity where you know my employees can grow with us, right? You know I hope that you know this first employee that I hopefully hire today, um, you know could be with us for for a very long time. You know start as a retail associate, and who knows? Maybe you're managing, maybe you're managing a a, a whole chain of these. Maybe you're an equity partner over time. Yeah, um, I'm partnering with a, one of our investors, and our board member is a gentleman by the name of Jerry South, who created a, a, a massive, massive company, uh, you know, uh, out of Annapolis. And, you know, he was all about vertical, uh, vertical transition from, you know, an entry level valet parking attendant to a, a regional manager. And creating a great opportunity and the culture that I've always wanted that I never got in corporate America is something that drives me as well. Um, and just being the best. Uh, I'm fiercely competitive. Um, but I also believe that, Sharing in the in that success is something that's critical, and giving back to the community. Um, there's always going to be a charitable aspect to Bark Social. Um, we have two lines of products right now that um, the suppliers give back to causes that they support, um, and then we also have our Give Back T-shirt, which every uh, T-shirt sold six dollars is donated to local dog nonprofits. Um, so that ties into that morals, ethics, and culture. Um, you know just be successful but do it the right way and be a good person and be a good company where you know when this is all over I can look back and be proud of. Um, yeah. I think that we all see what's currently going on in, in, in our society and and I think that you know business isn't you know a zero-sum game. I, I personally think that you know good businesses, especially small businesses should really engage with the local community, the customers, as well as you know, give back to you know local causes, and and I believe that um, good business owners can can be very moral, ethical, and that'll really kind of transition to you know a great business and profitability, um, and so that's kind of the way I see business, and that's what drives me. Okay,
0: that's good. So now we're entering what we call the fast round. Basically, I say a statement and you give me the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Ready.
0: What would you say, Luke, is currently your biggest challenge in Bark Social?
1: Um, just getting open, right? Okay. Uh, construction. I want construction to go faster. That's my biggest challenge.
0: <laughs> good thing it started today, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you wish you would have known back
1: then that you know now? It takes time. You need patience. Patience. Yeah. yeah. I've had to learn a lot of okay. patience.
0: Yeah, I understand. When, when I say the word success, what's the first person or first thing that comes to your mind? Success.
1: Uh, family. I think, you know, success okay. will lead you to, uh, you know, life and, a, uh, you know, happiness, both personally and professionally. Um, and success looks a lot, a, a number of different ways, right? I mean, yeah, you know, it's not just financial to me. Um, I'm not trying to be, you know, Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. I'm just trying to, you know, create a really great return for my investors, create a great experience for my employees and my customers. And and, you know, have, have the freedom to make an impact in the world and, and to my local community. I think success would enable me to do that.
0: I understand you've had throughout your whole business career, many different advisors. Who would you say, though, is your, your biggest mentor? And what did you learn from that person?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's my mom and dad. I mean, they're just awesome. I mean, they're crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, they taught me how to treat people. And and ultimately, hard work and, and doing the right thing is Probably going to lead to success, and 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 that's it. From a business standpoint, um, Ari Abecasis, who's currently an investor and uh, honorary co-founder uh, and board member in Bark Social, he's probably been the single greatest business advisor outside of my parents. But
0: okay, yeah. I know you mentioned earlier about different locations, but um, what's the vision for the future for Bark Social—the next five years or ten years? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, (laughs) I can't say a lot, but um, you don't have to go um, to details, just general. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, create a great, a great business that um, engages with the local community creates a good, a great opportunity for my, my, uh, my employees and a great culture that, you know, we, we promote from within. Um, We create a great experience for our customers and for dogs and we give back to causes um, along the way, and we do it the right way, um, and, and we grow both, uh, you know, locally, uh, domestically, and potentially internationally.
0: Oh, wow, even internationally,
1: okay. Hey, I mean, it's all, it started with a dream, and and I, I love it, though, it that's good. good you you yeah. have
0: to aim high, because yes, you never exactly. know where you can reach. Totally. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Do you have a specific goal in mind as far as x number of stores a location by certain number of years or time or is it more about just finding that right spot
1: it's about finding the right mix okay don't want to grow too slowly don't want to grow too fast um you know and i think i think time will tell um but again the team that i've created we um we're we're focused on growth um and um i believe that we'll be able to do it whenever we find out what that sweet spot is Okay.
0: And lastly, what do you like to do in your free time? I know you don't have much nowadays, but uh, besides I'm sure hanging out with Frankie and your fiance, what do you like to do? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, that's probably number one, uh, two, I mean, three things probably. Um, I'm obsessed with just kind of being down at the beach and beach life. So, um, you know, my, my, my parents have a little bungalow at the, at the Jersey shore, um so i love going down there and hanging out with friends and family um second would be traveling can't really do that right now um i've kind of lived all over the country and traveled all over the world and i I just never get enough of that um and another thing that i'm really excited about with dc is uh you know just eating out Uh, as you know hospitality has been in my blood and i uh i never met a i never met a dinner that i didn't really like and (laughs) Covid's caught up to me a bit, but uh, I love you know going out and trying new restaurants and bars and, and you know experiencing local food.
0: So. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do two out of the three you mentioned with the traveling and eating out due to COVID, but but hopefully yeah. we will soon. Yeah. Did, totally. Do you have do, do you have a like a place you your favorite as far as traveling where you like to go?
1: Yeah. So I mean, when I was living in Texas and California, I mean, I, I mean, I love Mexico City. I love. I love just, you know, when you're living in the south, southern part of the country, it's just so quick and easy to go there. Um, you know, um, when I was in Seattle, I went up to British Columbia all the time. I skied Whistler, I think, three times this year. Went out to Tofino to, to go surfing um, on in British, on Vancouver Island. So I, I love, like, the quick trips yeah. uh, to Canada and Mexico. Internationally, uh, I love I love Europe. I uh, love the history. I love the culture. I'm a huge history buff so for me it's always uh it's always great to go to do that i think the some of the coolest places i've been on the bachelor love thailand i love switzerland and i love i love buenos aires and, and chile uh i love well argentina buenos aires i love santiago chile um man you know, you've been honestly, to a lot
0: of places <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and and i mean been to africa twice and i love that um and i've uh, been to israel twice love israel i mean honestly I know I just pretty much mentioned every single place <laughs> in the world. Um, it's very rare that I, I, travel somewhere and I don't like it. Um, so, uh, I'd probably say there's a few places that I, that I'd probably not go again. Uh-huh. Um, and there's more places that I've been to that I'd go again, but yeah, I mean, quick off the top of my head, South Africa or anywhere in Africa, you know, Southeast Asia, the middle East and South America. And then if I have a, don't have a ton of time and I just want to get away real quick, Mexico or Canada are always great places, in my opinion. So pretty much the whole world. It's my favorite <laughs> place to go. I
0: like that. I love to travel, too. We actually had a trip, and just next month in August to Israel, we had to cancel. We were going to take the whole family and the kids. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, due to COVID, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, sorry. I mean, Tel Aviv is one of my favorite. It's That's a top three city. I can confidently say Tel Aviv is one of my favorite cities. My I, I like Tel
0: Aviv. My wife grew up uh, around Tel Aviv. Uh, So I've been there. We wanted to take the family um, just because we have some family there that are getting a little older. So we wanted to go visit them the kids to meet them before anything. Um, Nice. But uh, Tel Aviv is a beautiful city though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you can share Luke with the people working, they find you. I know you said the pop-up. So is there a website or any where in social media?
1: Totally. Um, So barksocial.com, that's our website. You can go on. We have an e-commerce store there. All the products in our pop-up tent are on there as well. Um, we're giving some discounts away as well. Um, you can sign up to be a founding member right now uh, on barksocial.com. Um, we're, we're doing special discounts for um, frontline workers, federal employees, military, both active and retired, teachers. Um, so we're giving a ton of discounts to you know, the people that are critical to our, you know, to our, to our country and our, and our lives. Um, so you can do that on barksocial.com, the pop-up shop Thursday to Sunday in Rose Park, right next to Julie. Um, and then on social bark social, or I mean, uh, bark underscore social on Twitter and Instagram and bark social bar, uh, on Facebook. Um, and then LinkedIn, just Google bark social and we'll come up as well. So really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and, and share this, share my story and, and talk a little bit about how we're going to engage with the community and really excited to be in Montgomery County and, and, and North Bethesda, Pike and Rose. So yeah. thanks again.
0: No, thank you, Luke. Really appreciate it. And can't wait for you guys to open and be there.
1: Sounds good. I'll talk soon.
0: Bye. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you. And I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.